Hello, and welcome to Economics with Graham and Garrett. Uh, I'm Garrett Javers. And I am Graham Roselle. And we are both students at Fenwick High School. Yes. So, essentially what we're trying to do with these podcasts is create a, a series of conversations where we talk about various economic concepts within AP U.S. history at Fenwick. And so what we're trying to do is use layman's terms and easy-to-use examples that are going to... Uh, teach you these concepts within the context of the class and make it easy to understand. Yeah. Basically, we understand that uh, eight pushes of fast-paced courses and that the economics concept, economic concepts can sometimes be a little bit difficult to grasp right away. Mm-hmm. So that's what this is for. Yeah. Uh, so the first topic that we're going to be covering today is, Graham? Is the first national bank in the United States. Of course. What else? Okay. So let's get into how the first national bank in the United States came around. First, I would like to cite that it was Alexander Hamilton's big idea. Big kahuna, the, the baby. Big kahuna. Big kahuna. Yeah. He's, he's the man. You know, uh, uh, it's kind of funny because we have the whole play in, or musical that's going on, Hamilton. Yeah. And that, I feel like everyone who's listening to this podcast should definitely go see it. It'll help you understand a lot of things. Cannot wait to see that. Yes, but, okay, so. Anyway, uh, as I was Hamilton. saying. So, let's first of all go to, in the situation of this, what the status of the United States was. This was right around the uh, ratification of the Constitution. Um, the Articles of Confederation was still in place, and mm-hmm. as you have learned in class, under the Articles of Confederation, there was a lot of... There was no unity within the states. No, not at all. Everyone had their own currencies. Um, everyone was in a ton of debt. The economy was not in a very good situation. Yeah, I think of it as... Well, for example, Ikea furniture. You, you have Ikea furniture, right, Graham? Yes. Okay, so you know it's it's not the best quality. Yeah, I don't want to talk... Not to rip I, I, on Ikea. I, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, but basically, w- when you think about uh, that, that furniture, you know how you have to use a lot of different glue and a lot of different little wood pegs to combine it together. Well, let's just say that at the time, the Articles of Confederation are that really not-so-great pegs and glue that are holding together that crappy Ikea furniture. Yes, and basically what Alexander Hamilton was doing is he was running in with some screws to build something like a proper person. Yeah, something that's not going to fall apart at a stiff wind. Yes, exactly. So what he did is that he first absorbed the national debt, mm-hmm. and had the federal government absorb the national debt, and that yes. means that all the state's debt from the American Revolution got absorbed into one. But then you think, and stop and think, you got to think like, how is he going to pay for that? Yeah. So here are the three ways he did that. First of all, an 8% tariff on imported goods. Okay, all right. Second of all, the whiskey tax. Yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, that's not always, that doesn't always go super well. No. Yeah. Third. Yeah, you know what happens when we, you try to take away American citizens' booze. Never, 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 never goes well. We are Americans, well. we like our booze. Yeah, true. Um, uh, and finally, the creation of the National Bank, which yes. was to build credit and stimulate the economy. Yes, that is the most uh, influential factor in creating a strong United States. Yes. Was having that. Yes. To have any sort of investment, you need to have credit. Mm-hmm. And to explain credit, I will go to Garrett. Okay, so essentially what credit is, is the flow of money, of dollars, and financing through the economy. So what was happening at the time was within the United States, we had some people that were were uh, creditors, that were giving out loans. But the problem with that was there were a lot of specific events that made them not so, uh, I don't know, excited to give more of those loans. Take, for example, the Whiskey Rebellion, in which all of these farmers had an uprising 
uh, and all of their debts were forgiven, which may seem like a good thing for those debtors because, yay, they have no more debt. Uh, but the, the creditors, the people who are actually lending that money, well, um... They were not so happy. Not so happy. Not only did they lose their profit margins on their loans, they lost the loan, too. Yeah, so that really did not create a good system. No. And that really leads me into talking about the uh, actual monetary structure that we had at the time. So Graham talked about how we had different types of currencies, and that was coming from these large regional divides that were between different uh, original colonies. And so what they had was paper money. And what paper money is is really technically worthless because it has no intrinsic value. Now let me explain the difference between extrinsic and intrinsic value. So, um, all right, you have a gold coin, right? And you know gold is actually, it's a valuable metal. The metal ore is valuable. Yeah, it's a precious metal. It's, it's rare. And so that has what's called intrinsic value. But when you take, say, a paper dollar, for example, well, if you take away the fact that you're saying this is a dollar and it's worth a dollar, well, it's completely worthless. It's just a piece of paper. It only has worth because we say it's worth something. And so one of the problems was inflation because we were printing so much money that it meant none of it was really worth anything. So a good example is, all right, you're, you're living on the farm back in the old the old days and you're doing pretty good, but you're saying, all right, I need, I need, I need a butter churn. I, need a I, butter just, churn. I just need a butter Gotta churn. Gotta have a butter churn. All right. So like you, go to, you go to the market and you say, okay, it's $5 for this butter churn. It's pretty cool. You're like, oh, awesome, continental dollars. Uh, but then the Continental Congress in there. Kinda, you, but then a few months later, you kind of hate your butter churn. Yeah. And you're like, I'm it, selling, I'm selling I'm the butter selling, churn. Selling the it's butter bad churn. churn. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, the Continental Congress in that time decided to print a ton of money. A lot of money. Not good. Not good. Because that means that those dollars in the system are basically worth less. Because when before, it cost you only $5 to buy that butter churn. Well, now it's going to take you 10 now here's the thing. You're thinking, great, I get to sell this thing for $10. Fantastic. Yeah, those $10 are worth a lot less yeah, than those worth $5 less. were worth. Because you're taking the exact same product, and then you're taking more amount of dollars to have that product. So really, that means that you're you're not not very better off. It's not it's not a good situation. Yes, just things are more things become more expensive and people have a higher money supply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was happening was that in addition to having these rebellions where these debts were being forgiven, well then you're also having a very unstable uh, structure underlying this entire thing. So that means that it's not a very good situation on the whole if you want to expand the economy and encourage investment. And so Alexander Hamilton, the big man himself, in his wisdom, said that he was going to create this national bank that was going to create a new system for credit. It was, it was going, going to, use, to it was going to use taxpayer dollars mm-hmm. and other money generated by the government to uh, hand out credit to people. Yeah, because and basically do a better job of allocating credit than the credit would have been being allocated before. Yeah, because people were saying, "Oh, we can't actually grow our economy because no one's making any loans," which was clearly a problem. But then when you create the National Bank, one of the major, major controversial issues with it was that the people who were just kind of common folk were saying, okay, you're taking this massive bank that's being created by all the you know, the upper class people who are in power and running the government, and they're saying that that's going to pretty much be within those powerful people themselves. They're not going to make any loans to these common folk. But... That was one of the major issues with it. And so there was a, a massive debate within that issue itself. Um, so 
let's go on to the topic of interest rates and how that system truly worked. How interest rates work? Yeah, exactly, how interest rates work. Um, so, so, obviously... There, there are two parts to a loan. Mm-hmm. There is the principle of the loan, which is the amount of money that the loan is originally worth. Yeah. And there's the interest rate. Now, uh, take, for example, Garrett is trying to start a business. Yes, I am. He is trying to start a store. And Garrett ha- doesn't have enough money to his name to start this store. Yeah, I'm pretty poor. Yeah. And say I have $70 billion. That's a lot of cash, Graham. Yes, no, I've... How, how'd you make all this money? Uh, that's classified. That's classified. Okay, oh. sure, sure, yeah. Sure, hey, everyone should Stole it all. Sure, whatever you want to say, man. <laughs> um, and so I, so he comes to me and says, Graham, I would like $10,000. And I will say, all right, well, I think there's going to be a lot of inflation, and I, so I don't think that whenever by the time he pays off this $10,000, it'll be worth all that much. So I want some interest. I want some money on top of the $10,000. Mm-hmm. And that interest is my profit margin. That is what I make money off of. Because whenever yep. he pays me the $10,000 off, I've broken even. The interest is how much more money I get. Yeah. So I'm going to charge him 2%. That's pretty good. I mean, you know, he's making $200 off that ten grand, right? Yes, I am. Uh-huh. And, um... The well, fact with the National Bank was that they pretty much controlled the interest rate. So when they have their own overarching interest rate at the rate at which the National Bank was lending out money, well, that meant that a lot of other banks are going to use that as a guide for what to lend out their money in. Yeah, the, the you you can't you can't have an interest rate that's higher than the national bank because then those people will just go to the national. Yeah, bank. Yeah, exactly. It just would wouldn't it, make practical sense. No, no one will take a loan whenever there's a better one right in front of their face. Yeah, exactly. So that's actually a problem that's happening now within the United States is that there's uh, a whole committee that decides whether or not to raise what's called the Fed funds rate or really the, the overarching interest rate of the uh, American government. And so what's happening now is that what they're doing is they're attempting to use that interest rate to stimulate growth within the United States. So when you have a really low interest rate, well, obviously that means that it's going to be cheaper for me to get that loan. So say, for instance, Graham, you know, with his $70 trillion or whatever the heck it is, is going to say, all right, well, look, the the National Bank has lowered their guiding interest rate to 1%. So now, because I'm a nice guy and, you know, I kind of have to do that, I'm going to lend you this money at 1%. Well, if I'm I'm going to lend you the money. Yeah, right, okay. Well, so that means that if it's a lot cheaper for me to get that loan, well, then I'm more likely to take it. And people are more likely to invest and obtain these loans because it's cheaper for them to do so. But the problem with that is when you have a lot of businesses going to these banks for loans that have been have lowered interest rates because the First National Bank deems it to be necessary to have these lower interest rates, well, that means that businesses that may not necessarily be profitable are going to be able to get these loans because they're cheaper for them to do so. And so even though it may be creating some short-term growth, well, in the long term, these businesses are going to shut down because it's sort of giving them the perception of being profitable, whereas they don't actually have profitability. Yeah. So that's a, a kind of a fun little sidetrack on interest and why it matters. Um, so and we'll get more into that again whenever you're coming oh yes. Wilsonian policy with yes, the, we will with the National Bank Board. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so credit is clearly that fascinating instrument that facilitates this growth within the economy. And what Alexander Hamilton truly was trying to do was create more credit, create more credit within our economy because we needed that credit. Growth. Credit, credit leads to economic um, success. More credit, more economy. Mm-hmm. If you have stagnant credit, well, then you're not going to have any expansion. You'll have a stagnant economy. You'll have a stagnant economy, which is clearly not good. You want more growth, not less. Yeah, that is not your goal. Uh-huh. So, overall, when you're looking at the concept of the National Bank, you saw Alexander Hamilton with all these little colonials and all their common folk saying, we're creating this bank, we're trying to create more... Uh, growth within the economy by changing the interest rates and we're going to actually pay down this debt so that we no longer have a yes. completely shattered and splintered economy under uh the articles of constitution no more ikea furniture no 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 more ikea furniture yes it's being held together now mm-hmm. now finally the, the the other issue that will be covered in class and um i would like to cover with the national bank is, is that the constitutionality of it mm-hmm. now this was a big huge debate um, there's a section in my notes called Hamilton versus Jefferson. And the reason for that is because Hamilton supported the bank and said it was constitutional, and Jefferson did not. Yeah, to put it lightly, he did not support it. No, he he, he detested it. The thing um, is that, well, Jefferson was a little little bit hard to nail down, though, sometimes. Because sometimes he supported it, sometimes he didn't. It was, it's a little complicated. It's a very complicated issue with Yes, as, with that as, as time will, will show. Um, but the point is that this was one of the uh, early uh, arrivals of the um, strict versus loose interpretation of the Constitution mm-hmm. that arrived. Yeah, so that's basically a preface for something that you're going to learn very soon. Yes, yeah, so that's a preface for something you're going to learn very mm-hmm. soon. And there's the elastic clause and everything. That will be covered very in-depth in class, mm-hmm. and that is not economics. So yeah, but all right, be- so that's basically a wrap-up of the National Bank. Don't forget, credit, good, no credit, bad. And remember... To listen next week for our next podcast and tune in to Rich Eyes Class. It'll help you a lot. Yeah, pay attention. Pay, pay attention. attention, kids. He's a smart man. Pay He's attention. A smart man. All right. Well, thank you for listening and have a great afternoon.